Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is David Moyes. This is Yapstam. This is Brunage. This is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Dane. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jurgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jurgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A so do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you so many guests during our seven years that we've enjoyed speaking to that I guess it's a surprise that we've only ever repeated Kevin Bridges, Jamie Carragher and now David Moyes. We went to St Andrews to meet the West Ham manager. He was in good form. We talked about pre-season, what it means now and what it meant back then. Stories of army boot camps, afternoon bevying and now... We're talking more about quiz nights, plus spaghetti and marshmallow castles. No, I've no real idea either, but if you listen, you'll find out. David talks about grafting style onto his core values, how he wants entertainment as well as success. In his own words, I want better teams. I want better football. Sit back and enjoy listening to David Moyes describe how he's been building a new version of West Ham. Listeners, this is the strangest intro I've, I've ever done because we've just broken in. We're midway through a conversation with David Moyes. We're here in St Andrews. David, thank you very much. And thank you for being only the second second guest in 130 odd big interviews. You and Kevin Bridges, it's either something to be Scottish or something to do with being talented, which is what oh, I like. Well, I've got to say, Kevin Bridges is unbelievable, you know, isn't you, he? You've got a similar sense of humour, the two of you. Oh, I think you're up there. He's, he's fantastic, Kevin Bridges. I love him to death, I really do. So. Well, you were interview yeah. number four, I think. Uh, there was uh, Gary Neville, we Gordon Strachan, and yeah. just by coincidence, Gordon was here today. 
And he literally said, he came over from Dundee, and they're going a wee walk, him and uh, yeah. Leslie, I'm Leslie, sorry. Yeah. And he said, tell David, my putting's better. His putting's better. <laughs> we, played, we played in a competition at Glen Eagles, <laughs> me, and, me and Gordon, and his putting was brutal. <laughs> but but he, he, he had the yips, you know. So and he was actually Gordon's a decent golfer. So it was but he really said good. he literally said that yeah. you'd given him a couple of tips because he said honestly he has made and I was like Cause I, you know Gordon I thought he was joking. Uh, yeah. No, no, tell him. Tell yeah, him. tell him. So I think he wants that force him back on again. He gave me plenty of tips about the football. That was what I needed. He was yeah. a great player. He was a mighty yeah. dandy. A mighty he dandy. Was. Look, David. One of the reasons that we asked you to apart from friendship, I, I've hugely enjoyed and I suspect knowing our listeners they'll have hugely enjoyed amongst the many things that you've done at West Ham I think they'll have hugely enjoyed watching you enjoy yourself Mm -hmm. so we're going to come to that I wonder if this is enjoyable now you're in a wonderful place but pre-season must be a brute players talk about how it's tough and all that kind of stuff but for a manager and his coaches and his data scientists and his fitness people to be able to say these dates, this place, this temperature, this workload, um, particularly after two years whereby the COVID pandemic meant that games got all the more crushed, you've been successful, so the workload went up. We're facing a year ridiculously with the World Cup in November. All these pile problems upon your strategic ability before a ball's even kicked in anger this season. What are the challenges, say particularly this pre-season, you and your staff face and how have you addressed them? Well, you summed it up right away. The job the job is really brutal now. The amount of work to be done is is incredible. But we're really lucky. So we're, we're lucky in the job. But what I would say is... Uh, the pre-season for the managers is probably the best time because the pressure's off as far as the, the results go. You've not got any great hit. But where the pressure comes is, can you get the preparation right, the organisation right, the training right? And actually, we're all in the middle of the transfer window as well, so we're all trying to add players to, to the team. But what you said is, for the people who don't know, we're at St Andrews. No, they're about to play the British Open here, the 150th British Open. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic location for us. Being Scottish, it makes it really easy for me to come up here. But I brought Real Sociedad here as well. And it was the, the last time I came with Real Sociedad, it was before the last British Open here. And uh, the players will tell you from Sociedad, the, you know, the, it was a week, just a week just before the opening, the players were, you know, the golfers were walking in here and Tiger was here and, and the players were getting up and asking Tiger for their autograph and that. And I got a message back saying... Uh, would you please ask your players this Tiger doesn't want to sign anymore so I doesn't want to sign any more autographs so I had I, that I never liked him anyway. no. <laughs> so we had but, uh, so I've been coming here a while I don't know if you remember years back when uh, Pep used to bring Barcelona yeah. here as well 2008 yeah, yeah. so we, we've stayed here but prior to when I was a when I was a younger coach and a younger manager I used to bring Preston North End here but we had to stay at the hotel further up the hill because this was too expensive. So we stayed budgets. up the hill, budgets, and then Everton. So I've always found it somewhere for a five, six days at the start of it quite good. But look, it's a great place which makes things easy. The players get well looked after, well treated. Uh, the facilities we've got, the pitches we've got are good. So I've got to say this is a really good week for me and I can sort of half relax and not be too wound up. Well, OK, before we talk about the goals of of fitness and 
freshening play. Because we live in an era of perma-fit players. You and I were born in the same year, so therefore we <laughs> yeah. grew up. I mean, you, thought you were going to say we were the same perma-fit. You've, 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 had, you've had slightly more success in the football world, I'd be willing to give uh, you. Yeah, yeah. But we're of the same generation, therefore we did grow up. And you probably yeah. grew up training with people who, at that stage, thought it was okay to be two or three kilos over because it wasn't yeah. Ian Hazard did it recently yeah. when he moved from Chelsea to Real Madrid but there would be several I, I grew up worshipping King Joy Joy yeah. Harper yeah. Joy changed shape yeah. pre-season yeah. Yeah. Season. now the there's almost doesn't. none of that it's perma-fit players yeah. it, it, so presumably and there's one player in the celebration of your thousandth game congratulations for that you. which was earlier this season in Europe and a victory as well I want to note thank you who said uh, <clears throat> with, with, with David you've got to be fit to get fit you have to be fit for pre-season training because yeah. you push players what are your objectives over these next couple of weeks before the season starts well let me answer the first thing that it really about is this yeah I, I agree I don't think players are coming back now in the condition they were years ago I think it was normal for players to come back a bit overweight uh, lose the weight it used to be the bin bag culture players yeah, would sweat it, bit, sweat it out and and I was actually laughing with, with Billy McKinley there we're saying is you know nearly everybody came back overweight at that time you know, and it was a case of getting the weight off and, and all those things. But the players are players are incredibly fit. You know, I think we've got one player who's come back slightly overweight, but the rest of them are all all good. So I think it has changed. But yeah, I think there's been a period now just coming back where we've introduced some of the best overseas managers to the Premier League. So Jurgen Klopp, Pochettino, for example, Pep. You know, we've got we're. Some of those managers, you know, their reputations are that they work their players really, really hard. No. And it used to be, you know, if it was the British managers were doing that, hey, wait a minute, you're a bit of a dinosaur, you, you should be getting more touches of the ball, you're doing too much. True. And actually now, if, if you look at the Premier League, the speed of it. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you've got to have a diesel engine, you've got to be able to, you no know, continually run, you've got to be, you no, know, the intensity of the game in the Premier League is probably what, what people talk about. Definitely. Hugely. Definitely. So now, how do you train intensity? How do you get them in those conditions to do that? And I think that, I'm not saying that we were a wee bit, maybe too much to one way. I think now we've become much better. You know, most of the work is done with the ball. Most of the intensity is done with the ball. You know, well, yeah, of course, you still have to find other ways of, of uh, doing doing running, which is similar to what they do in the pitch. But the players, the players are back in great shape now, Graham. They really are. They're, well, you, top. When, when we spoke in, in San Sebastian, and I might do this a couple of times, you give a really good answer. I think in the eras gone by, a lot of young players developed with a great deal of coaching, whereas we're now in a world of football where there's a great deal more coaching, a lot of different coaches available, yeah. more hours put into the player. And you said, I think that there's a lot more strategy generally, more mm-hmm. thought, more science. The science in sport has now gone to an incredible level, and mm-hmm. I can only see it getting better. Presumably, albeit that your gap, the, the, the gap for Kevin, for, yeah. for, for Billy, your gap to rest is really small. Mm-hmm. Presumably, some of the planning you put into how much you're going to ask of your players, given mm-hmm. you almost had to scrape them out of last season because you were successful and yeah. because there was so much travel and the Europa League's a long tournament. You've got a gap coming up that mm-hmm. not all your players will be at the World Cup. So you must have used a lot of science as well as a lot of experience and mm-hmm. instinct to plan for what you do in midsummer. Yeah, we do. We're, we're planning just now for... I mean, even, like you said, we finished the season with, with an incredible programme last year. You know, because, and you have an incredible programme if you're successful. 
you know, if you're not successful, then you, you have a, a normal programme. So that, that's something we've got, we hope to get used to and we want more of. But yeah, we are planning. We're planning greatly for the, the World Cup. You know, what we're going to do with the players who are not at the World Cup. You know, we're, we're planning greatly for this pre-season. You know, we've had offers to go to different parts of the world with West Ham. We're, we're a bit more in vogue now where people are more interested in taking West Ham. And, and look, I'm really keen that West Ham go out there and, and show what we can do. But I'm also trying to keep control in a way where I want the training to be right I still think that we're just growing as a team and as a club and I want us to try and be successful again in the Premier League next year so I don't want us to drop away you know, we finished 7th, we were 6th the year before so for us to do that I feel as if if I can try and get the right preparation it'll be the right thing I wonder how much is it feasible and again I'm never looking for sort of super inside stories but to get to know your players, particularly a man manager of your skills when there aren't games and when you're away from home and there's no kids in the waves, there's, there's, there's a chance to either get to know them or test them. In the old days, there was a lot of larks. There was a lot of, I don't know if you ever participated yeah. yourself in. Many. I think we can get away from beating curfew. There has to be something on that side about larks, some relaxation, mm-hmm. I don't know, golf maybe, but yeah. also you getting to know them individually. Yeah. Well, I think that even that, I think the players now are, are quite happy in their own their own company at times. You know, we, we, we try to have a really good team spirit and uh, we have not just a team, a club spirit now. I'm trying to make sure that we can generate it all through the club. But the players, yeah, look, there's been loads of loads of things that go on. We, I've got to say, Pierce, Stuart Pierce, who we had, was brilliant. You know, we had quiz nights and I'm saying, I don't want to do a quiz night, Pierce. But Pierce was good at them. And Piercy knowing that we did the music. It would all been punk music questions, wasn't and, it? And you know, by the end of the night, we'd all be in teams, and we had this quite a lot last year in the hotels, and we were having f- food fights and women, <laughs> you know, stuff like you no know, building uh, spaghetti and marshmallow castles and stuff like that. So, so there's lots of things which are really simple, which were probably done 30, 40 years ago it, it, with team spirit. But I think there's less and less drink orientated yeah. team spirit now. Yeah. Uh, with different people with different religion, religious yeah. backgrounds and different types. So I don't think it's where we used to always go out and get you know, drunk and that was the way to do it. Who were the great curfew breakers of your day? Oh, I've had, I've had two, I've had many, not curfew breakers, but I've always been pretty strict. But when I went away, I used to always say to the players, away you go and I'll, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Because the more rules you give players, the worse it gets. And yet, But I've got to say, as being a young manager of the nights, I can remember, you know, waiting and the boys coming in and seeing if they're all going to make the time and that so when you're a young coach in those days and you'll know what I'm talking about because it was a different time it was a different era for that but uh, the early days at Preston North End when we used to we didn't go far but we used to take them to Nice we used to fly down to Nice and have a few days but what we'd do is we'd run along the, we'd run along the front so we didn't really have any we'd just take them away give them a couple of days and I'd let them out and I'd say hey you know back in for midnight or back in for one o'clock and you were kidding yourself, on. You? <laughs> yeah. I've got to tell you the the, the worst one was is, and it was we took them to took them to Nice. I think it was the first time, and I and I had gone to one of the directors. And I said I'd like them to take to to buy them tickets to go and see Monaco. Monaco were playing. I don't know Nice or Lille. I can't remember who they were playing. And, it, and the tickets were going to be twenty five. So it was quite a lot of money for yeah. press at the time. So huh? bought thirty tickets for all the players and everybody. So we had a, we'd been down, the players had been out all afternoon. And I'm, you know, the bus the bus is leaving at six o'clock to take us through. And I get a call from the captain saying, 
boss, the players don't really want to go to the game. <laughs> and I'm saying, get yourself back here. I had to get these tickets and buy these tickets. He says, I OK then. Half an hour later, boss, I, I, the boys are no real. I says, look, if they're not back here, they're getting it. <laughs> you know, anyway, they're all back. We go, we get them on the bus to Monaco. And obviously they've all been, been out in the afternoon. Get to Monaco and give them their tickets for the game and walk into the game. Half of them never went in the game. They went, they went, to, the, went to the bar outside. Right around the never, and I'm coming back and I'm asking them about the game in the bus. And none of them had went ah, into the game. Brilliant. So all those things that when you were a young manager, you, you found it. But it's not like that. Now I've got to say it's different. And actually the sort of the level we're at as well, uh, the level of professionalism is incredibly high. The, the worst pre-season we've had in this uh, chat was with Eddie Howe, who was at Bournemouth, and he talked about having had an idea to take them off to some Norwegian island to learn yeah. team spirit and self-sufficiency and they were all to build tents I suppose it became a reality series of its own they were all to build tents and cook their own food and of course there was an attack of midges there was sort of record high temperatures everybody ate, got contaminated from cooking their own food and the thing was a complete it was coming out of both ends and he was like never again never yeah. again yeah. Can, I, can I tell you now when you're going <laughs> <I'm> on <laughs> tell you now what I've got to tell you is and it wasn't actually a pre-season trip. We'd, we'd started my, my first season at Preston. We'd gone top of the league. Gone top of the league at Preston. And I thought, ah, oh, these buggers are getting ahead of themselves. The yeah. big-time Charlies think that, they're, think that they know, know it all. And it was coming up for the Christmas night out. And we were playing, I can remember, we were playing Notts County in, in Nottingham. And Nottingham was a good night out oh, and whatnot. I thought, yeah. well, good, away from Preston. I'll give them their Christmas night out in Nottingham. But I said to him, I says, eh, I'm going to take you away for a few days after. So I could hear them in the bus, in the bus up the back saying, I'll be Mallorca or something like that. <laughs> and I'd said to them, would you bring your passports? Yeah. <laughs> bring your... And the players were saying, and I could hear them saying, nah, he'll be, he'll be taking us to a training camp in Germany. He'll not be taking us to Mallorca. You know, he'll be... <laughs> so, so I'd said, yeah, well, we'll play Notts County, you'll have your night out. And I didn't tell them where they were going. And actually, I think we scored in the last minute at Notts County to win or to draw. So, and, and I was letting them out. But I had booked the army camp up between Middlesbrough and Sunderland. And I had gone up and done a recce. And I had gone into it and I'd said to the guy, I want this as squad as you can make it. <laughs> I want those itchy blankets. Oh, I want them up. So we've, we've got a result. We're going top of the league. And... And I said to him, right, you've got ahead of yourselves. We're going, you can get the night out of the night and then we're up to the army camp in the morning. So they were on the bus at some seven o'clock in the morning. They were carrying the logs over their shoulder. We were eating with all the soldiers in the thing. And I'm thinking, I'm going to show you that this is, this is the way it goes. I said, I don't mind you having a few drinks. It was around Christmas time, we're having a So they came into the, the officers' mess. They were allowed in the officers' oh, mess good. at night. But they were bladdered. <laughs> but I'm saying I'm not caring because you are running your nuts off the next day and they were running, the soldiers were taking them through the stuff. Captain's coming back in, he says, look boss, the boys are going mad, they're hating it. I think my captain was Sean Gregan at the time. And he said, oh, look, come on boss, this. I says, no, you get at it. So, next night, they're in the officer's mess again, bladdered <laughs> again. And I'm saying, wait a minute, I, I'm not getting what I want out of this. <laughs> So I'd actually, I went and phoned the bus company. I says, get the bus back and we'll take them, take them out of here. After about two days, I had to get them out. And I took, them out the, I took them out of the army camp. But being a young manager at that time, it was the things like, 
I, I wasn't naive, but I was trying to... They were the things we were doing. And when I look back now, I'm saying lots of young managers will, will need a chance and will make mistakes and maybe yeah. not make the right decisions. And they weren't the right decisions. But I was trying to make it for what I thought were the right reasons. And it showed creativity, I think. And at that time, you were a bit... Uh, the boys who were there, they'll tell you the story and, and we, were, we were up and we were running they're through the mud in the water and all F- sorts. Fairness or not, whether it worked for the football, they could have defended the stadium if we were invaded. That would have been... Yeah. <laughs> Socio, uh, uh, who supported us um, since you know yeah. the couple of interviews just before you you, you, you spoke this in San Sebastian, and Tom said, "I think I'm right in saying that David has studied other sports and forged links, for example, with the top Australian rugby league coach Ian Basil Millward." Mm-hmm. David, what have you learned? He just asked, "You yeah. learned, used, carried over from that, or similar relationships outside yeah. football, maybe that have helped yeah. your current methods of managing and coaching." Hugely, yeah. Uh, usually trying to find it. I, I mean, it's very difficult to actually get in, which sometimes correlates with your own. But Ian Miller was a great guy. We he brought he brought St Helens rugby up to Everton, uh, up to the training ground, and we were putting on a football session for them. And our plan was to go to St Helens to have a rugby session, okay. you know. And uh, we done and we interacted quite a lot at the time about you know what worked, and he, he gave me a, a lot of good things as well. Talked about a lot of good things. But the, the rugby boys were fantastic, you know. At that time, you know, it was we were really just getting used to drinking out of water bottles and stuff like that, and the players were scrawling the, bo- the bottles everywhere, you know. The rugby players picked everything up. They, they, they'd done the work. They said, thank you very much. They shook your hand. It was a completely different sort of the type. The culture was different? The culture was different with the rugby boys. But where I've moved on to now, Graham, is I'm really fortunate that I'm part of a, a leaders in sport group which has got... No, the baseball people, the mm. the American football, uh, cyclists, uh, David Brailsford. We've got you know Gareth Southgate's part of it, uh, and we're part of a really good team. Roberto Martinez. There's lots of lots of people were involved, and we're hearing about the different sports and interaction, and how they're working. You know, and the best sort of leaders out there, and how we, how things are going, and motivation and whatnot. And it, it, I've got to say, it's helped me an awful lot because I think when you get a bit older. You're always looking to try and find new things to inspire you, and new things which you know. And even, even the last couple of years, I've I've you know, sort of felt invigorated again. I feel as if you know I'm saying, hey, I'm I'm right at it at the moment. But it's good that, but you still need to try and improve as a manager. You're still trying to improve as a man, even coaching and leadership now. How it's changed, and and we and one of the things that we talked about the last time we spoke was how much sort of the sports sciences come on. All those things have developed, so it's given you. You've had to sort of keep up with it and move on with it, which is an onslaught of things coming at you at a time when you're actually mad busy on the things mad, that are your yeah. core business. That's right, and re- really, it's nearly going through a learning process. You know, it really is. You know, some of the things in the hours now, where the managers and the coaches are spending uh, through analytics work. You know, whether it be regarding signing players, whether it be you know looking at the opposition or your own team. You know, we can. Video of our own training. You can, you know, you've got opp- you know, you can watch the opposition. 
So there's so much, much so more. You have to be sharp at, at how to limit that inflow, yeah. any of that information you, you've just yeah. been talking about, because you can't afford to be deluged. No. And what I've done probably, if you said, well, how have you coped a little bit with that, I've said is, I've decided to have a bigger staff, a bigger coaching staff, yeah. where I feel as if I want to put people in who can add value to me. Yeah. It means that some of the analytics can be done by another member of staff. Somebody else can be, you know, maybe uh, studying longer about maybe the opposition or the opponent. Somebody else can be taking on, help me prep the training, where we're going with our work, what's our load, what's our, what's our scheduling over the next month. No, how, how was that a delegation to begin with? Because one of the things that began your ascent at Preston was attention to detail and doing everything. And it's stayed with you. You know, I've yeah. experienced it in phone calls yeah. we've had about your intense attention to detail. And when you're like that, to delegate, even if the people around yeah. you are handpicked and trusted, I don't think it's ever that easy. No, it's not. That was always... The people who were around me probably have MD always said there was a a fault that said I need to delegate better and hand over and maybe not take things on but I, I think now I have I think maybe age is giving you gives you a little bit as we all know a bit more experience and you look back at it and also your energy uh, you know I'm not saying energy diminishes but you've not quite got the same energy as what you had when you were you know, 40 years old to, to where you are so I've got to say it's not been easy but I think once you start to trust and you've seen other people working and what I want it always to be is them putting over the work I want, I want put over because if I if I'm going to lose my job, which I have done many times, I would want it to be because it's the way I've tried to do it and what I've wanted. Okay, that links me to something. I, I might get the wrong game, so pardon me because right, your sure. memory's good. I was at home in Barcelona watching a game, um, and I'm certain it was in the restart season. You were back at West Ham, and my memory tells me it was in the July, and I think it was a three-one home win against Watford. Mm-hmm couple of weeks before that you had a 1-0 home defeat to Burnley and I remember watching the interview and you were like and I'm, that's why I think it was a 3-1 win over Watford and you're like I don't care they didn't play the way I want them to play you didn't say they were shit no. you're like they didn't play the way I want them to play now across your career watching you of course I didn't see much of Preston because I was mm-hmm. doing other things at the time but I feel that there's been a, a change in your mindset and, and what you want from your team Maybe not a massive change, but between Everton and West Ham. Mm-hmm. Core values similar, yeah. but it feels to me like you said, no, now I want this. Now I've learned and I, and I want mm. this. And that day, despite a win, you were disappointed. that, that Now, the style of football is something I mm-hmm. said to you on the phone. I've, I've been huge. I will go and seek your teams out. Mm-hmm. Before, I was happy watching. I was proud. You know, when you, when you should have knocked Villarreal out of the qualifier, when you got up there, when mm-hmm. you were dragging yeah. them away from the bottom, that was all enjoyable and proud. And there was a there was a clarity of how your teams worked and, mm-hmm. and how your tactics worked. Now it feels like you've gone. I tell you what, I want I want a little bit mm-hmm. extra on the top. Is that true? And do, do you mm-hmm. remember whenever that interview was? Do you remember saying, "I win's a win," but I'm not happy with how they no. played. No, I do remember what you're saying, and I, but I, I believe I've changed greatly. Not greatly. Because I'm not the, the core values. No, we're, we started talking about pre-season here. Mm-hmm. My core values are still quite similar, but I think my teams are. I think my teams. I want. I want better teams. I want better. Not better football. That'd be wrong to say it. You have to remember, nearly all the Everton teams I had finished in Europe football, just outside it on the verge, probably in the top eight every year. So to be in the top eight of the Premier League at any time, you know, whether it be that year or whatever year, is some doing. 
you know, we're we're celebrating here at West Ham finishing sixth and seventh because we think that's pretty good. So to be in and around that for the best part of ten years, you, you've got to be doing something. I would hope right. I go back to where I started at Celtic. It was, we, it was only one where you had to play, you had to entertain, you had to win, you had to you know you had to score lots of goals, and that's the way I feel as I've been brought up, and that's what I want to watch. But I think when you're manager, you you actually say, well, wait a minute, I've got how am I going to win? What are the players have I got? But I think that I think at West Ham, the players I've got have helped helped me as well. But my intention when I come back, when I come back the second time, I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to give this a go because it, it might have been my last time. Who knows? Uh, I wasn't. I'd had a couple of cops, hadn't quite worked. So I probably thought this might be. I'm nearly having to throw my ace card on the table here and see how this goes and gamble and take a few risks. And I think the risks have paid off. And you know, it's the way I want to be. I want to be. I want to challenge the top managers, the top elite teams, and I want to see if we can we can stay in around the top. But within that, am I wrong in, in venturing based on what you said? Words like entertainment and flair, because I know you still have yeah. to press and win the ball back and yeah. defend, and you want to see brains on the pitch, and you'll have certain rules that set players yeah. defending and attacking. However, it feels to me as if you've both sought out players mm-hmm. who might thrill as yeah. well as doing their job. It also seems that when you said gamble a little bit, all in. It's all in on, I yeah. tell you what, I want to do this and I want to make people go, oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa, I enjoyed that, I'm coming back. Or a kid to go, Dad, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to go to the football this week. Yeah. Uh, I'd, look, I've got to say, I've really enjoyed it. I've sat back and I've gone, wow, we've scored four goals here, we've scored five goals, we're, we're playing well, we're, we're a good team. To watch. Uh, by the way, I'm not kidding, I, there's a lot and I enjoy it. I think the West Ham supporters have actually said, by the way, I quite enjoy that. This this is actually, you know, we're we're actually coming to see something which is decent to watch. But all managers need good players to make that happen. You know, if you if you get in a job, most managers get given jobs when they're probably team the manager's been sacked before, probably not doing so well. Not everybody gets pushed right into one of the top jobs, and it takes you time maybe to to get something what you want. So I was really lucky when we brought in a couple of the Czech boys, not because they were super, super talented, but they had super enthusiasm, energy. And I think a lot of people want to see that they, they feel as if they're getting 100%. Then we've added a little bit. Declan Rice has developed into a top footballing player. Mickey Antonio changed from being a, a wide player to a centre forward. Best football of his life. Best football of his life. Best football, best time in his career. But also... All these things sometimes you need need everything to align and to work for you, and they've done they've gone that way. But it's given me a great lift, great lift. I said to you in the phone, I saw you enjoying yourself, and yeah. I was like, and it isn't simply sticking it to people or the yeah. potential of winning yeah. a trophy, which was clear over the last two yeah. seasons, yeah. and it's clear that with the right work yeah. this summer, you're probably going to go closer still. Yeah. Did it help? However odd it was, and football fans are the fundament of of why we play the game without yeah. the passion. Did it help, particularly given that the fans weren't enchanted with the stadium, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of peace and quiet for us to work? Mm. Uh, you know something? I think it probably did that we were able to stand back and probably make the decisions without any interference, if that sounds. No managers are, are uh, dictated by the support, but they play a huge part in the game. You mean, you, we, we talk about... You no. Know, how clubs can have a big European night and stuff. Well, they, they play a big part of that. So for us to go with no supporters maybe for a while gave us a chance to actually do a bit better at the London Stadium. Yeah. 
So by the time we've brought the supporters back now, we've actually got a good team and they're coming back. And whereas maybe in the past, maybe they're saying, hey, maybe the London Stadium we're not so keen on, the football's the more important thing. We're, we're focusing on the football. I think for us, it gave me a bit of time as well to, you know, maybe to be out of the spotlight where there was lots of people having lots of opinions. Certainly we were still in the media every week because they were writing stories, whether you were good or bad. But I think I think in that time, it gave us a little bit of chance to, to settle. Well, I'm going to ask you about again. West Ham. Again, I'll say that, you know, we were born in the same year, so we're going to ha- we must have similar memories of our first visions of West Ham or which players or which matches stick in our minds from watching on the TV in Scotland, whatever, but... There's a ferocity about the West Ham support, one which I like. That silent period when it's sad because of the pandemic, it's sad because we need fans yeah, at clubs. Yeah, did, did it also help players go, I'm going to trust the boss, I'm going to try this move, yeah. I'm going to do a little bit extra? I think we needed a little bit of that period to sort of give the team a chance to grow. So it was a bit like maybe, you know, going on a stage, you know, you know if you don't really have an act, don't go on stage. We maybe didn't have an act yet ready, quite ready. We were, we were improving. We were trying. We'd avoided relegation, uh, which was great. So we needed to get work, the, the act before we brought the supporters back in to see us. And I think by the time we brought, by the time the supporters come back in, they were nearly begging to yeah. get into the ground because oh, how right. well we were doing. Yeah, yeah. And they were missing out in great games at our place. Look, I think I think uh, that might have helped. But I've got to say, you, you mentioned the West Ham supporters there is. I think I don't. I'm not. I couldn't tell you even about West Ham because you know, it's not where I come from. It's not where I've been. But I, I feel as if they've needed to be brightened up as well. They've needed a change, you know. And I do. And I keep using the word sometimes that the new West Ham. I don't use that because I'm, I'm in any way trying to forget the past. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to get them where. They put them in a the pathway. Now, I'll not be at West Ham forever. You know, there are other people. But a new pathway, there's a new stadium. We've got unbelievable amount of young supporters coming with their strips on and Declan Rice in the back and, you know, Thomas Suchek. And I'm, I think that the club, you know, in the East End of London is a huge part of the community. Huge. And, look, I think there was a few more smiles in the faces in the East End of London. And let's be fair, we've all come through a a shitty time it's in life for everybody and especially in East End of London because there are a lot of uh, things there which aren't as good and maybe the team just helped a little bit so does, does it good. fit a little bit the old West Ham idea about okay working class area hard work on the pitch but also excitement enjoyment mm-hmm. passionate support it, I'm not going to say Everton and West Ham are identical at mm-hmm. all but both of them really fit with your personality I, and how you grew I do. up yeah, I, I, I think so and I, I'm I think as well as is I think I think the people first of all most of the people want honesty. Yeah. They want to know they've got honest and committed players hard working. I mean now then what they want is hey by the way can you get some talented flair players? I mean West Ham have had Pai for example over the years have had some unbelievable talented players. But you know if you try to bring in all the talent too quick and you don't have the foundations and you haven't done the groundwork and you haven't got the the sort of labourers there who are going to help them, and I think maybe West Ham tried to do that a couple of years ago. I thought they brought in a lot of really good talent, but I don't know if they had the real foundations down. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. That's only from a, a distance. But what I do know at my time at Everton, I I didn't really have the finances to do that, so mm-hmm. it was a case of trying to put a building block on and try to build up and try to get a team which found a ways of winning like we talked about 
But I actually think now we've got a good enough team to play with a bit of flair, a bit of style. A year ago, our counter-attack play was unbelievable. Yeah. What we found now is teams that have actually dropped off and we can't, we're, we're counter-attack's not as good. So we're having to find a way of being a better footballing team. So all these things are tests for, for us all, you know, coaches and for uh, for the players. And it'd be nice to maybe have a jack-in-the-box player that when a team's sat deep that just Could. plays in... What was it yeah. Gary Mack used at Rangers about Hadji? He just yeah. he, he plays in inches and millimetres. Yeah. So it's, it's just, just like open. Yeah. Yeah. Every team right. that has to play against bank defences needs somebody, a magician that yeah. does something right. and opens them no. up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.